a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Jeff Vandenberg. Coming up on the program. China's Vice Premier He Lifeng advocates for stable economic ties with U.S. in meeting with U.S. Treasury officials. China's securities watchdog vows to tighten supervision of the country's stock market to protect investor interests. China's railway system prepares to transport over 13 million passengers in spring festival travel rush on Wednesday amid the country's busiest travel season. Chinese Vice Premier He Lifeng said China and the U.S. should stabilize the development economic ties and deepen exchanges. The Vice Premier made the remarks in a meeting on Tuesday with a delegation of U.S. Treasury officials led by Jay Schenberg. Treasury Under Secretary for International Affairs. They're in China to attend the third meeting of the China-U.S. Economic Working Group, led by China's Ministry of Finance and the U.S. Treasury. He Lifeng urged the two sides to implement the consensus reached by President Xi Jinping and Joe Biden at their San Francisco summit last November. Beijing has expressed concerns over tariff hikes imposed by the U.S. during the third meeting of the China-U.S. Economic Working Group. This was among the issues raised in candid and in-depth discussions held from Monday to Tuesday in Beijing. The meeting was co-chaired by Chinese Vice Finance Minister Liao Ming and U.S. Treasury Undersecretary. China also raised the, two, the issue of two-way investment restrictions and sanctions to suppress Chinese enterprises. The two sides discussed their economic policies, G20 fiscal and financial cooperation, developing countries' debt and industrial policies. Chinese Vice Commerce Minister Wang Shouwen calls the economic and trade cooperation between China and the U.S. a stabilizing power for bilateral relations. Wang said that during a video call with the U.S. Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, Marissa Lago, on Tuesday, he also expressed Beijing's willingness to expand cooperation and manage differences with Washington to create better conditions for more collaboration between the business circles on both sides. Now, for more discussions on China-U.S. ties, we're joined by Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technologies. Happy New Year, Jiahe. Good to see you. So what were the main topics of discussion and achievements at the recent meeting between um, the world's two largest economies? Hi, Happy New Year, Michelle. Uh, well, this meeting that connects the world's two largest economies is really important. According to the information disclosed, there has been discussions in multiple areas. Uh, first of all, the meeting discussed the current economic situation in both economies. Currently, both economies are facing the challenges and have uh, many issues to sort out. For example, the worrying towards the inflation is still remaining in the U.S. In last December, the CPI rose by 3.4% in the U.S slightly higher than the previous number. And the Fed is still holding a pretty high interest rate. But China is tackling its weak real estate market and trying to contain the housing price as well. So cooperation between two economies uh, with their economic policies can be very useful. Meanwhile, the meeting also discusses the common challenge that is facing both economies, as well as those issues that are facing the global economy, uh, such as anti-tax avoidance and profits transferring, a debt issue with developing economies, 
economies, etc. Uh, finally, the meeting also discussed the trading relationship between China and the U.S., which is a vital issue not only for both economies but also for the world. Yeah, and as yeah. we just talked about, many concerns were raised at the meeting. How do you think the two sides will move forward to resolve these issues? Well, I think China and the U.S. will have to cooperate to sort out these issues. After all, China is now taking around 20% of the world economy, and the United States is taking around 25%. So take both China and the U.S. together, we are talking about almost half of the global GDP. And this means the cooperation between these two economies will not only benefit themselves, but also bring a lot of positive support to the other half of the global economy. Uh, meanwhile, I think it is vital to let the societies of both both China and the U.S. know the benefit brought by this cooperation. The benefit obtained from the cooperation shall be shared by more people and more businesses. By doing this, the economic cooperation will receive more support from both countries. Yeah, confidence is the key now. Thank you so much for your insights. Great to have you on the show always. Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum RK Technologies. China and Switzerland have agreed to hold the third round of their foreign minister's strategic dialogue in the Chinese capital. This came as Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi met with his Swiss counterpart Ignazio Casey's earlier this morning in Beijing. Casey's is now on a two-day visit to China, which is set to conclude later today. Now let's take a quick look at some concrete figures in trade between China and Switzerland. Since 2010, China has been Switzerland's biggest trading partner in Asia and third largest worldwide after the European Union and the U.S. The two sides signed a bilateral free trade agreement in Beijing in 2013, which took effect the next year. It contains provisions on trading goods and services, non-tariff barriers to trade, intellectual property protection, and sustainable trade and development. Currently, Switzerland is China's sixth biggest trading partner in Europe. The total bilateral trade volume of 2022 topped 57 billion U.S. dollars, marking a significant 30% jump young year. And in the first 11 months of 2023, bilateral trade volume reached 53 billion U.S. dollars, up by about 6% young year. Still to come. China's securities washed out vows to tighten supervision of the country's stock market to protect investor interests. What a the world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN. China's securities watchdog says it will tighten supervision of the country's turbulent stock market to protect investor interests. The China Securities Regulatory Commission has released a slew of more than 10 statements over the past three days on its official WeChat account, China's dominant so social media app. These statements are in response to investors' calls to stabilize the stock market, which has witnessed turbulence in the first month of the new year. The securities regulator said it will crack down on illegal 
information disclosure, in particular fraudulent IPOs and inaccurate financial statements. It will punish market manipulation and malicious short-selling severely. The CSRC will suspend new securities lending and phase out existing contracts. Loans of shares, especially restricted ones, are seen by many as a loophole in the current regulatory framework. Besides penalizing the illegal trading, the CSRC also said it firmly supports Central Huidian Investment, China's sovereign wealth fund, to expand purchases of exchange-traded funds. The CSRC's confirmation of its commitment to a stable stock market had an immediate effect on investor sentiment. The benchmark Shanghai Composite surged more than 3% on Tuesday. Now for more discussions on the stock market and the CSRC's support measures, let's cross to Hong Hao, Chief Economist at Grow Investment Group. Happy New Year, Hong Hao. Good to see you. Um, so we've seen a raft of new measures from the CSRC recently, I think 13 in the past three days. And that's after A-shares plunged to a five-year low last week. So what message do you think the CSRC is trying to send here? Yeah, there's a sense of urgency here. Before yesterday's a huge rebound, uh, the index was down more than 10% year today. It was, uh, you know, one of the, the most uh, rapid decline uh, in recent history. All right, so there's there's obviously uh, a market structure that is hindering uh, the uh, uh, stock index from uh, uh, recovering. Uh, for example, the snowball uh, uh, snowball structural products, you know, which uh, comes uh, in money uh, at a, at around 4,200. Uh, for the CSI 500 and CSI 1000, uh, was actually you know was was actually well in well inside uh, two days ago. Right, so you know because of the the plunge has been too rapid. Um, so I think the CSRC and also the national team uh, had to step in you know to stop the fall. Yeah, as you mentioned, last week was dramatic for A shares, and yesterday we saw a huge uh, surge, uh, which is continuing today. Have we reached the turning point? Uh, what's the outlook here? Yeah, I think um, at around 4,200 for C- uh, CSI 500 and CSI 1000, uh, basically the, the effect from the snowball is pretty much gone. Uh, the positioning uh, at the level below 4,200 is very little. Right? So, you know, that sort of um, uh, helped the uh, uh, the stock index uh, to recover. Uh, and also, you know, yesterday there were other news about a very high level meeting uh, being convened among the financial regulators uh, about a coordinated uh, efforts to rescue the market, uh, and also there are national teams money buying uh, ETF mostly uh, in the small cap uh, area, and that is the reason why you're seeing an even stronger rebound in the small cap uh, index such as uh, CSI 500 and CSI 1000. Yesterday it was up, you know, seven around seven percent, and today is up strongly again. So I think in, in two days, you know, this uh, small cap indices is up more than well more than ten percent. So we recuperate some of the losses yesterday. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, right now, you know, people are still hoping for more detail from the uh, st- stabilization team uh, to come in. Yeah, and everybody is talking confidence that is the key now more than ever. What do you think still needs to be done to restore investor confidence? Yeah, I think besides the uh, sort of the rescue uh, strategies that is uh, being deployed in the marketplace, I think people are still looking for, you know, uh, substantial or, or a genuine uh, recovery in the fundamentals. I think uh, going into January, we're still seeing uh, property sales uh, slowing down. It's down, I think, uh, for the top 100 uh, developers, it's down uh, more than 30% year on year. Uh, so this is a substantial decline. And I think, you know, without a sort of a, a proper and quick recovery in the, in the property uh, market, it would 
sort of drag on uh, the economic recovery. You know, otherwise we, we would have recovered by now. Right, so I think people are looking for uh, a, a recovery in the, in the property market and also probably more details from the national team uh, and also a physical expansion uh, in the year of 2024. Yeah, we've also seen a slew of measures came out to kind of uh, re- relax the curbs on the property market. Um, do you think those are being helpful right now? Do you think more needs to be done to kind of help with China's property market? Yeah, I think it's helpful on the margin. I mean, it's just, it's better than nothing. But I think you know many of the uh, tier one cities has already relaxed most of the purchasing curves uh, on, on the property markets, and I think more needs to be done. I think all the restrictions should be gone. I think right now, you know, uh, the regulators should you know recognize that you know the demand for housing uh, isn't recovering as it used to be. Right. So back then, you know, if you relax all the curves then you see a surge in, in housing demand. But this time is different, so I think more needs to be done. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your insights. Always great to have you. you on the show. Hong Hao, Chief Economist at Grow Investment Group for us. Hey, everyone. Jason Smith here, host of The Bridge. Hey, guys. This is He Yang with Roundtable. This is Xu Yawen with World Today. May the year of the Chinese dragon bring you a tide of strength, success, and good fortune. May you be great and unstoppable as a dragon soaring through the oceans. 蛟龙得水，事业腾飞。And I want to wish you, your families, and loved ones good luck, happiness, and prosperity in the new year. I would like to wish you 龙年大吉，大展宏图 ，and may you achieve great success in your endeavors. Happy Chinese New Year. 新年快乐。China's railway system expects to transport over 13 million passengers home on Wednesday amid the country's busiest travel season, also known as Chunyun in Chinese. The 40-day travel rush will see hundreds of millions of people on homebound trips for family reunion and friends gathering during the Spring Festival or the Chinese New Year, which begins on Saturday. Historical transport data suggests the number of travelers will peak on the two days prior to the New Year's Eve. Train ticket sales. Shows the number of passengers departing from Beijing, Xi'an, Shanghai, Chengdu, and Wuhan surging today. To avoid the crowded outflowing from large cities to hometowns, more and more young professionals are choosing to stay put and reunite with their parents, where they're instead. As the Spring Festival approaches, a special slow train travels from Zunyi City, Guizhou Province, to Chongqing Municipality in southwestern China to facilitate villagers along the way to sell agricultural products and passengers to buy Lunar New Year goods. A unique New Year market has been set up on the train, allowing everyone to experience the festive atmosphere on board. Our reporter Gong Ming reports. In today's era of high-speed trains, it might surprise you that there are still green-skinned trains from old days, now known as slow trains, chugging along at an average speed of less than 50 kilometers per hour. Once a wide transportation link connecting remote mountainous areas to urban centers in China, these trains have taken on new roles beyond just transportation. Today, let's take on one of these and check it out. The train number 5630 is one of the 81 slow trains across the country that stops at every station, passing through 21 remote stations between Guizhou Province and Chongqing Municipality. 
Since its launch in April 1993, it has been a vital means of transportation for residents in mountainous areas along the route, with affordable fares and numerous stops. Most of villagers use this train to transport agricultural products to larger towns for sale. Additionally, there is a designated carriage on board for selling goods, enabling villagers to conduct business during the journey. I basically ride this train almost every day of the year, more than 300 days. It's economical and convenient. Plus, the train staff here are really friendly. Sometimes, when we are carrying too much stuff, buses won't let us on, but the train staff here help us carry things onto the train. There are also quite few people buying things on the train. Sometimes, I can make 100 yuan just from selling stuff on board. As the Chinese New Year approaches, a special New Year market has been set up on the train, making it convenient for passengers to buy quality and affordable New Year goods while traveling. Taking this train feels like a mix of nostalgia and excitement. It's kind of special. Being able to shop on board makes it really convenient. You can grab some fresh veggie and check out all the local specialties while you are at it. It's quite the experience. To celebrate the arrival of the Chinese New Year, local folk artists were invited on board a train to perform captivating traditional performances for passengers. Also, a festive banquet featuring local delicacies was carefully arranged on long tables, creating a lively New Year atmosphere for everyone on board. Our train's a bit different from your regular ones, you see. Especially around Chinese New Year, we organize some activities. Folks along the train route bring local delicacies, and we all gather like family for an early New Year reunion. It's a tradition in China to share New Year blessings. So here's to wishing everyone a better life and prosperity in the coming year. For 30 years, the slow train in China has not only stayed relevant amid rapid development, but has also continuously introduced innovative measures to improve services for both villagers and travelers along its route, meeting diverse travel needs. This not only enhances an understanding of local culture among more passengers, but also drives local economic development. Gong Ming, CGTN, Chongqing Municipality. Traditionally, Chinese people, rich or poor, travel back home to celebrate the Chinese New Year. But today, people across the country choose to celebrate the holiday in many different ways. Let's find out how residents of Pingdu County in China's eastern province of Shandong are planning to spend the upcoming Spring Festival. I'm a local resident of Pingdu County. For the eve of this Chinese New Year, I plan to return home and spend quality time with my parents. We will enjoy our Chinese New Year's Eve dinner together and engage in heartfelt conversations as a family. For my plans of this Chinese New Year, I think it's better to stay at home rather than go out to crowded places. I want to take advantage of the Spring Festival holiday to spend time with my family and gather with friends, as our busy work schedules usually keep us apart. Of course, another important thing is to ride my motorcycle along the mountain roads.
My plan for the new year is to spend more time with my parents. Due to frequent work-related trips throughout the year, I rarely stay at home and sometimes don't even make it back for Chinese New Year's Eve. This year, however, my schedule is not as hectic, so I plan to return home early and cherish more moments with my parents. Specifically, I intend to initiate a tradition of taking a family photo every Chinese New Year, starting from this year. In recent years, Hanfu clothing has come under the spotlight, benefiting from a craze for traditional culture driven by social media and a new wave of young Chinese. Cao Xian, the largest production base of performance costumes in China, accounts for 40% of Hanfu sales nationwide. Our Aaron Liu reports from Cao Xian to find out more. This is Chinese New Year Hanfu and Ma Mianqun, literally horse-faced skirt. Produced in Caoxian County, East China's Shandong Province, has seen brisk sales. Yao Chixing, a local Hanfu manufacturer, has made inheriting and innovating Hanfu culture her goal. We've integrated various Hanfu resources onto one large platform. For example, we specialize in horse face skirts, while others focus on children's Hanfu. As the largest production base of performance customs in China, Cao Xian started to produce Hanfu in 2018 and has seen rapid development by embracing the growth of e-commerce. Today, Cao Xian accounts for 40% of Hanfu sales nationwide. In 2023, sales of Hanfu in the county reached 7 million yuan. The advantage of integration is that it allows us to bring together fragmented resources, continuously improve quality, expand production scale, and also contribute to the development of the Hanfu industry in Cao County. As a designer born after 2000, over the past few years, Wang Ren has witnessed the establishment of a production chain in Caoxian. After graduating, she chose to return to her hometown to work in Hanfu design. As it has developed to this stage, the operators in Cao County are aiming to promote traditional Chinese culture and incorporate more traditional cultural elements. I also want to contribute to the development of my hometown, especially in the development and design of Ma Mianqun. Experience can be learned that what cannot be replicated is the high concentration of the industrial chain. I visited the Hanfu Industrial Street to learn more. This short street, just a few hundred meters long, may seem ordinary, but it gathers all the materials and accessories for Hanfu. Merchants can find all the raw materials from making Hanfu here. We can see signs along the street that say uh, printing, fabric, accessories, all very comprehensive. I will take you to a shop that sells accessories to see what they have. There are over a thousand types of accessories for Hanfu here, and new varieties are added every year, mainly sold to local customers. They provide samples and state their requirements, and we can fulfill them. To encourage the development of Hanfu businesses, the local government of Caoxian County earmarked about 10 billion yuan to build an industrial park, while the Hanfu Association was established to promote collaboration between producers, designers, and colleges. Our online stores in Cao County currently number around 13,000, and we have reached 181 offline experience stores. Through the interaction between online and offline, we are elevating the development of the entire Hanfu industry to a higher level. 
LWCGTN 朝鲜。A new generation of well-educated farmers is revolutionizing agriculture in the rural areas of Zhejiang Province with the help of digital technologies. The emergence of digital farms is fast becoming a reality in rural China and a trend likely to accelerate as the promotion of smart agriculture is one of the key objectives in China's recently released annual rural work plan. Farmers have come to Fotown Township in Jinghua's Yiwu County to visit a digital vegetable factory's greenhouse and get advice on how to use digital agricultural systems. Yao is teaching them. He's very patient. The system he's taught us helps save both a lot of time and staff costs. Yao, who is now 30 years old, majored in agriculture in college. His expertise in this field has made him quite adaptable. As digital technology transforms the agricultural industry, he has been quick to embrace these changes. However, his current concern lies in how to effectively promote new applications to farmers who are accustomed to traditional farming methods. The traditional way of doing things lets them feel better because they can manage their budget and control the production. It's understandable that when a new system arrives, their first reaction is to say no. Yao's answer is to show the farmers facts, starting with the experimental applications in the demonstration area. Yao does lots of field visits to teach farmers. Now. The digital system is operational on all 30.6 hectares of land and the 72 greenhouses that make up the production base. Yao has won many awards for the process, something that farmers find encouraging. He explains that these digital technologies are rolling out quickly, and so he wants to bring more and newer ones to additional farmers. It's early in the morning, and Zhou Feiqiang, a duck breeder. Is sending a truck full of eggs to Yuhui's processing factory. He collects the duck eggs daily and even takes in the ducks when they stop laying. This gives us breeders great peace of mind, as we don't have to worry about being unable to sell the ducks or the eggs. With this assurance, we feel more confident and can raise our ducks more boldly. Yuhui was born after 1985 to a family of breeders. Unlike his parents, Yu is very good at marketing and branding. To grow awareness of Jingyuan duck and increase the number of eggs the ducks produce, Yu built a facility that breeds the ducklings for farmers around the country. We buy the eggs for further processing, and when the ducks no longer lay eggs, we also buy the ducks for the meat. The farmers feel safer, and as we become a stable buyer that solves the sales challenges, the market is becoming more stable. Yu's company now offers over 30 products, including red stool duck and ready-to-eat duck casserole soup. More farmers are now raising ducks in Li Shui, and this has increased the per capita income of over 1,000 families by more than 30,000 yuan. It's been 14 years since I came back home and started my business. I have mixed feelings. It's been hard. But it's also fulfilling to see fellow farmers becoming richer together. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Jovan Berg in Beijing. Stay with us.